This is Herb Alpert, the 200 Brass. I'm Carson Sestouli. This is Fangraphs Audio. My guest on this edition of Fangraphs Audio is uh, a formerly a senior editor at MLB uh, Trade Rumors, uh, where it's a website where you can find rumors about Major League Baseball trades. Uh, he is presently a baseball editor at Sportsnet.ca. The uh, CA part stands for Canada, and the Sportsnet part stands for Sportsnet, which is apparently some manner of media outlet in Canada, uh, Canada being the country to the north of the United States. And in any case, uh, Ben Nicholson-Smith, is a he's a well-groomed young man. He's well-groomed, he's polite, but not bland. Do you see, he's pleasant all around. Uh, and um, he's also the guest in this edition of Fangraphs Audio, if I haven't mentioned that. What do we talk about? Uh, well, we talk about uh, what his duties were at MLB Trade Rumors, uh, how those, how the skills he gathered there uh, have helped him in his present duties with uh, Sportsnet. We learned about the, Cana- the Canadian Mediascape, which is a – Mediascape is a word that I invented. This is a neologism um, that I uh, – for the purposes of this podcast – and we also uh, we do some investigation into people with hyphenated last names, because Ben Nicholson Smith has precisely that. Um, there are some. Uh, it's just you know what it is. It's riveting. So prepare to be riveted uh, to what to whatever your whatever objects you're near. You will be riveted to them. It's Fangraphs Audio. It features Ben Nicholson Smith, presently of Sportsnet, formerly of MLB Trade Rumors, and it begins this edition of the podcast. It begins right now. Oh, yeah, that's entirely uh, my fault, or Francis' fault, so it's not, uh, it's no problem. Play it on done. Yeah, I will. Um, yeah, so, uh, but yeah, so it's, it's nice. I mean, it's a, it's a, Architecturally, it's a beautiful city, so uh, just walking around it is, uh, I don't know, you know, that's a pleasure, and uh, so I can, I do a lot of that, I guess, uh, and I, I try not to spend money. It's probably tough to do in Paris, I would imagine. It, it's a little bit tough, yeah, but uh, luckily I found some places that are, uh, to you know, to drink both co- coffee and then uh, beer as well, or wine, that are not too expensive and so, and we cook a lot. Well, I, uh, my wife cooks. I don't do that. That sounds like a pretty good uh, setup then. Coffee, beer, and, and home-cooked meal. Yeah, it's not so bad. Yeah, it's not so bad. So, yeah, it's fine. And I, I can do most of my job. Um, and so that's, uh, so that's. and for example, right now, what, um, this is my job. Yeah, I um, actually, when I was uh, at Trade Rumors a few years ago, I worked from Spain for a month. And so I was, I guess, doing a somewhat similar thing to you in that I was writing about baseball, but in a country that cared absolutely nothing about baseball. Right. Yeah. That would be a different. Now, were you, was it during the season then or no? It was during the playoffs. It was in October. Oh, okay. Now, at, at MLB Trade Rumors, um, which, which you're no longer a part of, um, no. after an, I believe it was an amicable, amicable, amic- yeah. amicable breakup. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But um. But at MLB Tree Rumors, what would the? I assume that the playoffs would not be the busiest of times. Yeah. No. October is pretty slow. Uh, I think April, March, October. At least in March, you have some extensions. But October, you get guys getting outrighted, and you get kind of end of year press conferences from teams. But it's it's a real month. 
Yeah, I imagine that you're – now, did your sort of sense of the baseball calendar change? And I don't know actually where you were coming from when you joined MLB Trade Rumors. You were there for, what, four four years or so? Yeah, four and a half years. And I, I pretty much came out of uh, out of my uh, university at, at that point. So I uh, – yeah, it definitely changed my sense of the baseball calendar because at first, you know, you kind of think of baseball as just being a six-month season and then you have the off-season. But with – at trade rumors, I got you know really into the non-tender deadline and the deadline for you know extending players your your specific arbitration number like we had earlier this month, and so you get all caught up in all that kind of stuff. Right. So, what would the, be like the uh, the high holidays? I mean, from a transactions point of view, what, what do you sort of consider the the high holidays, as it were, of the baseball calendar? I mean, I, I remember I don't know if it was you or Dave Cameron, but one one of you said a, a couple years ago that the winter meetings are kind of like your Super Bowl. And I, I definitely think that the winter meetings and the July 31st trade deadline could be could be equated to the Super Bowl for trade deadline, uh, for MLB trade rumors as well, because you have just so much action happening. At the winter meetings, you've got just nonstop rumors, nonstop deals in most cases for four or five days. I think that's pretty much from a traffic standpoint, from a reader interest standpoint, that would be the height of the activity for, for trade rumors. And, and were those necessarily um, your favorite times of year while you were working at MLBTR? I definitely, you know, I had mixed feelings about them because on the one hand, it's so fun and exhilarating and there's that baseball fan in you that just loves knowing what's going on and reading all these rumors and, and everything like that. But at the same time, when I was working uh, those days, I mean, you've got just an onslaught of tweets and, you know, you're looking for Ken Rosenthal's avatar and you're trying to make sure you don't miss it, but inevitably there's going to be something that slips through and you try not to get too far behind, so it's stressful, but at the same time, you know that that's what, it's a go-to spot for fans during that time of year, so you, you want to try to keep it as up-to-date as possible. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's, that's funny you sort of talk about that. I, I'm curious, with regard to, like, what your role there, and then and we'll definitely get to, to sort of your role now and the, maybe some of the skills you used that you picked up with MLBTR, how, how are you utilizing them now? But um, it seemed like the, the site is – that site in particular is always sort of – it's it's not – because it's not straight analysis necessarily of transactions, but it's also not straight reportage. But it's not – it's more than just an um, – it's more than just an aggregator as well. And, and so I was wondering if you could sort of talk about the – uh, the duties, I guess, because you sort of need like a, a broad base of baseball-related skills. Yeah, you definitely do. And, and you know, I, I don't speak for MLB trade rumors now, but I, I, I think that Tim Zirkus, the owner of the site, would agree with me that, you know, trade rumors is not just an aggregator, like you say. There's lots of original work, and even in the last, you know, I don't know, 10 months since I haven't been there, I've seen so many great projects that they've done. Um, Jeff Todd has done a lot of great stuff as far as payroll commitments. You've got you know, Steve Adams doing all kinds of great work, Tim, of course, and, and breaking news as well with backlinks and just all kinds of different things. So I, I think that what the site, at least when I was there, aspired to be was not only a go-to spot for news and rumors, but also a spot where you can get some of that analysis and really put it in context as far as other deals in history or how the roster implications shake out. So even if it's not analysis in the sense that you, you might see a fan grass with, you know, it's creating or, or, or modifying statistics and really getting into to that kind of depth or with prospects, um, 
you still see all kinds of, I, I think, analysis um, to kind of put those transactions in context. Right. And so, so now I'm talking to you, you're actually at a, like a real adult office right now. Is that right? It, it took some adjusting, but yes, I am <laughs> in a real adult office. Yeah. Well, what people may not know about you is that, um, unlike, um, and th- this, this is going beyond stereotypes because, uh, working in, in my particular capacity, um, I meet a number of, uh, baseball bloggers, sporting bloggers, and, uh, they are generally speaking, not uniformly, but generally speaking, a sorry, a sorry bunch. Um, uh, not physically fit all the time. Um, I would say maybe uh, occasionally one-dimensional, <laughs> um, and I, I include myself in this uh, as well. But um, I, I had the opportunity to meet you at last year's winter meetings uh, in Nashville, and uh, you. Um, you stick out because you're well kept, well kept. Um, you appear to be someone I would I would say you um, you bathe daily would it even be I would I would I would guess that you're also quite uh, you're quite pleasant to be around. Um, <laughs> Thanks for the compliments. Yeah, well, I could. I mean, I have I have many more of them. Uh, yeah, and then and but also you're not you're you know you're pleasant to be around, but you're not like. Um, you're not just blandly polite. You have a you have an intelligent look in your eye at all times as well. I say here what I say to myself is here's a sharp man. That's what I say. Um, well, I, I I appreciate it. I I think that uh, you know I I know what you mean as far as maybe there there's a blogger stereotype, and for a long time I was obviously a blogger, and maybe uh, I don't know. Maybe I think in some ways I if you had seen me, Carson, if you had seen me in my PJ pants and, and cause you met me at the winter meetings where of course I'm trying to look professional and oh, trying true, to, yeah. trying yeah. to put my best foot forward. But I, I definitely had a side to me at trade rumors where you're in the pajama pants and you're, you're wearing that, you know, that Colorado Rockies hoodie and you're just kind of sitting there and hey, you have days, you know, where you're not exactly looking your sharpest, but, uh, but certainly, um, at other times you try to try to put the best foot forward for, for, uh, yeah, well, at least uh, you were at least well groomed then. But and I assume that um, there are standards. There are standards now that you're a, a real life professional. Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's uh, it's more like a traditional office space. I mean, the the building I'm I'm in right now, you've got I don't know how many thousands of people working here, and then it, it's obviously within that building you have uh, the Sportsnet brand and specifically Sportsnet.ca. So it's yeah, it's it's pretty much very corporate. Um, which obviously is a, a change from working for uh, uh, independently owned company that will be trade rumors. So what, when we're talking to you right now, you what do you have? A, do you have an office? A, do you have a carrel or a uh, is it partitioned? What are you? What are we looking at physically speaking here? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, right now I'm I'm standing in in a uh, bit of a lobby area where we have some seating, but I normally I'm at my desk and you've got a. Uh, yeah, it's basically a cubicle. Um, nothing too glamorous about it. I mean, I uh, yeah, it's it's a pretty pretty simple workspace. Right. Uh, so so uh, or the, um, it's possible. Um, I don't want to shock you, but it's possible that not all of our listeners, uh, especially those who are American, um, that is from the United States, uh, will not. They may not necessarily understand entirely the um, the Canadian mediascape. Um, and right. So I was wondering if you could if you could um, uh, sort of explain what Sportsnet does and how that how and where it lies, for example, in comparison to 
another site with which um, I'm familiar, and I'm guessing some listeners are familiar, and that's the SCORE, uh, where, for example, uh, Dustin Parks and Drew Fair service work. And uh, I'm sure that uh, some of our listeners are familiar with their work as well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and and uh, I, I'll lay it out as, as clearly as I can. So essentially, if you turn on the TV in Canada and you want to watch sports, you're going to turn on one of two channels. And one would be Sportsnet, and the other would be TSN. And uh, the score uh, previously had a TV channel that Sportsnet bought. So now the score is uh, an online, um, and they have apps and all that kind of thing. But if you turn on the TV here, you're going to turn on Sportsnet, which I work for, or TSN. And Sportsnet is the broadcaster that carries all the Blue Jays games, the All-Star game, the postseason. So it's really the one that's most closely affiliated with baseball, and it also carries the games on its radio station. Um, and we have an online presence, which I um, work for. So you've got – this is this is baseball is a big thing. The Blue Jays are a really big thing for Sportsnet. And it's uh, basically it's a TV broadcaster that can be viewed um, across Canada, um, and it carries Blue Jays games and MLB. So that would be kind of the – the main way that I would describe its role, and then I work for Sportsnet.ca trying to produce all kinds of Blue Jays and MLB content for online. Yeah, which and uh, to, to try and get an idea of your schedule um, and your just sort of your duties. Like I see, for example, well, I see that until you you posted uh, a couple of minutes before we started talking, um, and it was a, it was a, about eleven. It's about eleven fifteen. Uh, your time, Easter time. You had uh, your last five. I, I guess out of necessity, you, you think it was your last five posts all had the word Tanaka in them, um, which is sort of uh, a result of. I mean, that's what a lot of people's posts have, have had recently. But um, it seems like you're, you're sort of you're doing. There's a combination for you, I think, of covering um, national baseball, but also Blue Jays specific sort of things. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I like to write every team and. Realistically, right now, if I want to maximize my page views, I'm not going to write about the San Diego Padres infield situation or the Diamondbacks bullpen. I know that if I want to get retweets and if I want to get page views, I'm writing about the Blue Jays. And that's really, first and foremost, in my job description. And that's great because I grew up watching the Blue Jays and they're an interesting team to follow and they're right here in Toronto. So that's definitely that's definitely a great fit. But at the same time, I do have interest in every major league team. And sometimes there are interesting storylines that pop up or interesting, what I think are interesting observations I want to make. And, you know, my bosses here have been really great and encouraging about me writing about other teams, other players than the Toronto Blue Jays. Because let's face it, when your team loses 88 games, you've got to turn to other, other gloves and other angles at some point. So I, I have had a lot of support here as far as writing about other angles and trying to make sure that those are covered as well as the inevitable Tanaka stuff and the Blue Jays and are they going to add a starting pitcher? Right, and so so during the regular season, what is your what are your duties like then? Well, you know, all I'll, I'll go off of is last year. That was my first year with Sportsman, and it was definitely a mix of time spent in the office around here and then also um, time at the ballpark. I was really um, really lucky to kind of have the chance to to be at the ballpark for. It was probably about 30 games, uh, 30 home games for the Blue Jays. And so I did a bunch of different types of stories um, at those games. Sometimes it would be maybe more feature-oriented. Sometimes it would be a, a notebook or a simple news story or even game stories were uh, something I would write pretty frequently as well. Um, 
So it was definitely a mix. I mean, I had never, I don't think, written a game story until this year. Um, obviously, there will be trade rumors that not at all what the site is about. And, you know, you look at, at uh, that kind of adjustment was definitely a change. And even just being at the ballpark in itself, you know that you're, um, you're at the ballpark a lot, various ballparks. And, I mean, it, it, for me, at least, that, you know, as a newcomer, it, it was definitely an adjustment. And so... I, you know, this, I learned a lot this year, um, in a lot of different ways, and I think that a lot of that came down to the fact that I had kind of different responsibilities. My office responsibilities as far as writing from, from here, um, and then also being at the ballpark. Yeah, well, I was, I'm curious because, as you note, like, you, you know, you had, you didn't come from a traditional sort of, uh, journalistic background, um, but that's probably good for everyone involved to some degree because obviously the, the, the landscape of, um, you know, sporting journalism is changing uh, somewhat rapidly. And I think I'm guessing Sportsnet, like a lot of other outlets, are trying to understand uh, how to best situate themselves um, and, you know, hopefully to do to do good work and then, uh, you know, for the sake of uh, bottom lines, uh, to do work that people are reading. And so I guess uh, what do you think – what do you think helped you about – the sort of work you'd done up to that point, and then what were you know you already mentioned sort of a, a game you know doing game recaps, but I'm curious like what what else were you sort of learning along the way, um, and you know maybe you felt like by the end of the season you'd sort of you'd sort of learn more about than than you had known entering it. Yeah, I think that as far as things that that helped me um, coming from the background of trade rumors, I felt like I had a really good knowledge of players around the league and just what their backstories were and how they fit onto a given roster and what the strengths and shortcomings of the rosters around the league might be. So if the Yankees were to come to town, maybe that's a bad example because everyone knows the Yankees, but if the uh, Houston Astros come to town, then I might have had a clearer sense of their roster than I otherwise would have. But what did you say? I mean, it, it definitely was an adjustment process as far as even just, I mean, for me, one of the big things was just the rhythm of the ballpark and, and the day at the ballpark and what time you arrive and what time the manager speaks and where he speaks and what you're expected to stay and where you stand. And there are just countless little, you know, what logos to stand on, which ones not to stand on. These things add up. I mean, I'm sure that I imagine you can relate as well, where it's just, there are just so many different things. You never want to do any one of them wrong, but you're inevitably going to. So it, it, for me, you know, luckily I had people like Shadavidi and Mike Wilner here Jamie Campbell, people who were able to nudge me in a certain direction and just say, hey, you know, this is this is the way things are done or this is the way that uh, you can expect to see this go down. So it, otherwise, I think it would have been pretty confusing. And, and even still, it was confusing at times. But, you know, now I feel at least I have that very basic day at the ballpark rhythm down. Did you uh, did you ever have occasion to make an asset of yourself? You know, I, I don't know if I'm the best person to ask that. I'm sure that if you were to ask the other people around the ballpark, they could definitely relay some stories. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't think that there was any, like, awful incident where I, where anything really bad happened, but I, I think that, I think it's just a question of, um, you know, I guess it's, I guess it's just such an ongoing thing and you're just kind of learning these little, little bits at a time and kind of trying to file it away so, so you don't end up making that, uh, that ask yourself. <laughs> and what is the what is the thing uh, the situation with the logos is that that's a thing with logos? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I don't know. I, I never step on logos when you're on the on the field. Like there's the Blue Jays logo behind home plate. I never step on it. Don't, I don't step on that, it. That's the rule. Now, yeah. Okay. All right. 
Well, now we, now I, we know. And I think if they're in the clubhouse, you're not supposed to step on them either. I, I don't know. I'm not the expert on this, on this kind of thing, but I, just as a matter of course, I, I don't step on logos. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll look out for logos. Now, did you ever spend, did you spend any time then in, uh, with the, like in the away clubhouse or with the away manager or anything like that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I tried to listen in on the away manager, um, when he would, when he would speak, um, you know, in the dugout or in his office and just usually to, get a sense of, of the manager himself. I mean, like a guy like Buck Showalter, who was in Toronto for, I guess, probably 10 times this year, and I had the chance to sit in on a few of his um, managerial briefings. And he was, I guess, you know, he doesn't really have that much of a reputation as being a really entertaining guy, but I found him to be fully on par with the Joe Madden as far as being an entertaining person to talk to. So even if I wasn't writing on, on Buck Showalter, I like to try to listen in and just see what I could figure out about the guy. Yeah, well, I, I, I was also going to add that um, I know that like talking with Nick Picoro, uh, who's been a guest a, a number of times actually on the podcast here, and is the very, uh, uh, very competent beat writer for the Arizona Republic. He said that even in those occasions when, despite, regardless of how well and how comfortable, you know, how well he knew and how comfortably felt in the Arizona clubhouse, whenever he would go to a visitors' clubhouse, uh, it was always a, a sort of a new experience, and that you know. Uh, journalistically, he might get what he wants, but he, you know, it was always sort of like uh, much more cautious uh, doing that than than he would be working in the the home clubhouse. For sure, and I think that I I know I know what what he's saying there, and I I guess um, probably the difference between me and Nick, probably one of the many differences, would be that you know he is such a great reporter, and he's so um, he's he's so experienced with the Diamondbacks and just knows exactly what's going on with them and and knows them on a more personal level. So he's probably experienced the level of comfort that I have yet to achieve as a reporter. So for me, the difference between being in the Blue Jays clubhouse and being in the Road clubhouse isn't actually that different because I don't have friends in the Blue Jays clubhouse anyway. It's not like I've known these players for five years. I've maybe chatted to them for five minutes. So. You know, I, I, there's no huge gap in terms of my comfort level in one clubhouse or the other because, you know, Jose Batista doesn't know who I am just the same as Mike Mustakas doesn't. Oh yeah, that, I guess that would be interesting. Now, so, so here's a question. Um, uh, my, my sense is that from your experience at MLB Trade Rumors, and um, I think as you sort of noted, uh, becoming acquainted with uh, some of the maybe the more obscure uh, elements of the game. Uh, so far as transactions are concerned, you know, like uh, like yeah, arbitration offers, etc. Um, my uh, my sense of, about you also is that um, you, you might be um, more well acquainted with advanced metrics um, and more facile with them than might be appropriate um, for a site like like Sportsnet that has such a wide uh, readership. And so I guess I'm curious as to for you. How you end up, um, how you end up sort of digesting what you know about advanced metrics, and how you communicate that without necessarily ostracizing, you know, a, a wide portion of your readers, or at least, you know, or at least a, a, a small majority. Yeah, I, I, it's a, it's a question that I wrestle with a lot, and I, uh, I mean, you're right. I love advanced stats. I really. I mean, I read Fangraphs all the time. I listen to Fangraphs audio, like I told you in the email. Like I'm, I listen to the BP podcast. I consider myself to be someone who's, you know, very interested. Not necessarily going to be coming up with the next great stat, but definitely someone who wants to know about it soon after it happens. So I am not going to inundate my 
writing with that at Sportsnet because I know that that's not what people care about. People care about the Blue Jays, and that's really that's what comes first. So I understand that, but at the same time, I try to make subtle uh, subtle adjustments and, and just shift my writing in subtle ways so that I can give our readers what they want while not giving them information that's really unnecessary. So, for example, if you know, let's say that um, let's say we take the premise that. Uh, lineup construction is not really going to make a huge difference in the team's overall run scoring in the course of the season. Maybe it shifts it by 10 or, or 10 runs or so, but you're not going to see a difference in 50 runs because you bat someone eighth instead of fifth. So when the lineup is announced and let's say Brett Laurie is hitting eighth instead of sixth, I'm not going to make that the lead item in anything that I'm writing about the Blue Jays because I don't consider it to be that significant. So I'm not going to write about that in any significant way. I'll make a note of it, but I, I guess in that it kind of shapes my writing as opposed to, you know, it's not it's not going to be the lead in an article I write, but it, it's in the back of my mind as I write those articles. Let me ask you, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm about to appeal to your uh, expertise. If you're, Are you prepared for that? I'm ready. Go for okay, it. Okay, and uh, it also um, might uh, result in you, um, you might be betting your um, your reputation here. This could be this could be a difference between your uh, a good and bad reputation. My point. Um, you tweeted. So we're talking on Thursday late morning. Thursday late morning. Yeah. You tweeted yesterday, I believe. Uh, Fifty-three major league free agents signed contracts of at least five million this winter. Is this? Is this? Do you, do you re- recollect this? Yes, I'm I not, wrote it. I'm not done. Yes, you did. Yes, you did write it. <laughs> yeah, very good. Um, that's only the first sentence, though. 53 major league free agents have signed contracts of at least five million this winter. Uh, zero of 53 agreed to terms since Tanaka was posted on December 25th. Um, you you tweeted that yesterday, and then I believe uh, short no two days ago. Maybe two days ago, recently. Yeah. Okay, we'll say recently, and shortly after you did is my point. My point is when Tanaka signed. So, uh, presumably, uh, presumably, uh, teams will start looking around for other players now. Is that is that fair yeah. to assume? I, I think it's very fair to assume. Okay. Do you think that uh, by the time between now, when we, you and I are talking, between now and when we next, uh, and when I post this podcast, which will be, okay. I'd say maybe, uh, I'd say about twenty four hours, maybe a little longer. Okay. Um. Um. Do you think that uh, that there will be uh, a largish signing, in particular of one of maybe the the sort of three pitchers who might have been waiting for Tanaka to sign, which would be uh, Ubaldo Jimenez, Matt Garza, and Irvin Santana? Okay, I'm going on record and saying no, that we won't have one. And my my thinking here is that these pitchers have seen a Tanaka sign for 155 million, and I think that they're going to come out and initially. Keep their asking prices really high. So we know that Ubaldo, you know, looking for, he's not going to sell for a three year deal in this first few days. And I think that if it's Irvin Santana, his asking price, I mean, initially is 112 million, maybe he keeps it close to 100 for the first few days. And then if teams don't meet that price, then I think that they'll have to modify their expectations. And, and at that point, I think we can see a deal. So I, I would expect probably early next week we see this, this start to take shape. 
Okay. All right. That's good. Uh, now, listen, I, I know that you're just roaming around in this uh, lobby area, so I don't want to I don't want to keep you forever. Uh, but I do have a couple a uh, couple more questions for you, all, all of a sort of more brief variety. Okay. Um, people, uh, listeners may or may not know that you wrote briefly for Fangraphs. Yes. Uh, you wrote, I believe, you wrote six posts. It appears the last of which was uh, appeared in May of 2011. Yes. Um, true or false? You were fired for insubordination. <laughs> uh, I thought that uh, you, Cameron, and I have agreed to keep that uh, really quiet, Carson. I think you might be uh, getting yourself in some trouble here. Okay. Well, um, I, I, I mean, I was kept in the dark as well. That's so I'm not, I'm not revealing anything. No, I mean, it, no, I, it was it was uh, a lot of fun to write those guest posts, and it was, uh, I mean, as far as I can tell, no insubordination. Okay, all right, all right. Well, that's your side of the story, I guess. Uh, we'll have, I'll have Cameron on, Cameron on in a couple of days. Um, here's another one. Um, oh, yeah. <clears throat> uh, has it ever occurred to you or any of your countrymen, do you know, uh, that the first word in, in Canada is can? Do you, ever, do, you, do you ever say something like that? Um, like we can do it because the first no. the first word in Canada is can. <laughs> I, I haven't heard it, but that doesn't mean I can't break it out. I think you know you give me a pretty good idea, and maybe I'll run with it. You can't spell can't spell Canada without without can. I mean, there's a couple the number of permutations. I, I know that you have to produce content, so you, you're free to take that because I'm not going to need it. I'm not Canadian. Perfect. That's a great post idea for tomorrow. Okay. All right. Very good. Uh, and then the last, uh, the last thing is, oh, yeah, you have a hyphenated surname. Yes. Uh, Nicholson Smith. <clears throat> in the event that, and I don't know if you've uh, reproduced or not. It frankly doesn't matter. <laughs> but in the event that you were to reproduce, like with another yes. another person, and mm-hmm. produce a human child, would that human child, so, and 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 also the person um, with whom you reproduced, also had a hyphenated name. <laughs> Would you give that child four last names? All hyphenated. Um, I mean, the short answer is no. Um, I, so I have both of my parents' last names, and I do not have any kids. But if you say, you know, down the road, my girlfriend and I were to have kids, then my guess is it would just be a simple Nicholson Smith um, again. So that's that's the best guess, but you never know. So, I mean, until that happens, there's always that possibility of, Adding hyphens upon hyphens. Does she now? Does she have a hyphenated name? No, her last name is just one name. Okay, um, but you wouldn't do it, not do. I think two is the maximum, really, because otherwise it just gets absurd. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I've met a lot of people with hyphenated names, and I don't think I've ever met someone with a triple hyphen. Okay. Yeah. Well, like, the, um, I don't know what you Canadians do, but I sure I assume you took a standardized test at some point. Yeah, I mean, probably, uh, probably many of them, really. Okay, yeah. Well, because I know that, you know, when you fill out, like, the, um, the boxes there, or you on your taxes, for example, I don't know, does yeah. one whole square, does that just get a hyphen? Well, so whenever I, whenever I travel to the U.S. or really anywhere and then come back to Canada, you have to fill out this form and you put your name on it. And I, because my first name on my passport is Benjamin. So when you have Benjamin Nicholson Smith, my middle name is Andrew. So Benjamin Andrew Nicholson Smith, that is a long name. And I almost, like, I use the maximum number of squares on every, every time that I come back into the country. Okay. And they let you, um, we, in America, we let you, we let you in, generally? Yeah. Hey, I mean, I met you in Nashville, right? So I had to get there somehow. But well, yeah, that one I, time, I, uh, I mean, that one time, I thought maybe you got, you've never, you're not, uh, you're, 
you're generally let into the country. They don't, they don't see any problem with you? Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's pretty much just uh, showing them my passport, and then I haven't had problems yet, so fingers crossed. Hmm. Yeah, all right. Well, that's good. I mean, I've, I'm a little bit suspicious of our security if uh, you're repeatedly allowed in the country, but... <laughs> it's true. I mean, if they're letting me in, I mean, that's, that's just a lot about national it security. Does. It does. It does. All right. Uh, well, listen, Ben, it's been uh, uh, it's been a pleasure to talk with you and find out more about uh, what, you're, what you're doing these days. Absolutely, Carson. It is my pleasure, and uh, I will definitely be reading and listening to, to Fangraphs. Excellent. Yeah, why don't you stick around for one moment, but uh, we'll say goodbye to the listeners in the meantime. Uh, That has been Ben Nicholson-Smith of Sportsnet, uh, also formerly of uh, MLB Trade Rumors. I'm Carson Zestouli. This has been Fangraphs Audio.